agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government has the government love. The government has the government love. The government Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, Cleveland area attorney and defender of freedom, Jay Carson. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hey, Jay. How are you doing this morning? Well, for those who missed uh, last week's uh, 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 bonus show, uh, I'll, I'll repeat, uh, I'm feeling uh, solitary, nasty, brutish, and short. <laughs> okay, well, well, that's that. maybe we can improve on that, I don't know. But, uh, you know, we have a lot to talk about this week. As always, a whole bunch of things, like, for instance, oh, I don't know, more on the Trump raid. I want to get into the Espionage Act uh, a little bit. Uh, the primary elections, right, in Alaska and Wyoming and what they maybe say about uh, Donald Trump's hold on the Republican Party. And then some COVID-type stuff, like that news about the CDC reorganization and uh, the COVID relief fraud, which is, Jay, you called it a while ago, right? Not a small thing, certainly. And so a whole bunch of stuff we want to get into, and we will get into it in just one second. Okay, Jay, so last week, you know, we opened the show with a discussion of the FBI's, well, unprecedented search of Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home and office. And at that time, the warrant had only just been released, and I was inclined to believe that, well, the warrant would have been, wouldn't have been approved by a federal judge without solid grounds. And Jay, you were a little more skeptical given some of the stuff about the FBI's history of uh, uh, not exactly dotting I's and crossing T's and using whiteout in various circumstances and that sort of thing. Um, but you know, neither of us at the time had access to the affidavit that was supporting the warrant request. And, and I suggested based on. And we still don't. Yeah. And, and I thought. <laughs> yeah, make right. that clear. We don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't have any. Spe- well, if we did, we wouldn't say. But anyway, mm. I, I suggested that based on past precedent, that it was really unlikely that we would actually get that information. But this week, in a move that really surprised a lot of people on both the left and the right, Judge Bruce Reinhardt ordered the government to prepare a redacted version of the affidavit in response to a request made by a number of media organizations, including the New York Times, the Washington Post, and Dow Jones and Company, the Wall Street Journal folks. And in his order, Reinhardt said it was really important that the public have as much information as it can about the search that the government had not met its burden of showing that the entire affidavit should remain sealed and that he was leaning toward releasing parts of the affidavit. So it seems like there's, you know, some likelihood that we'll be getting at least uh, some additional information here. And so, Jay, I I wanted to start here by getting your take on what you think about the government's argument for not releasing anything. And also, I think, how you see the balance between transparency in a very unusual high-profile case like this, and also on the other side, I think, the need for law enforcement to not basically provide sort of a roadmap of an investigation to the targets of that investigation. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the idea of, of the roadmap makes perfect sense when you're talking about 
um, arresting drug dealers uh, and uh, other other folks who might be working in concert with others. And you would give away what information you have, uh, how you got that information, uh, perhaps identifying confidential sources, those sorts of things that would would put lives at risk and and would certainly impede the investigation. Uh, so it, it, that that idea makes makes perfect sense. Um, in the context of those more typical type of criminal investigations. I think it makes less sense, um, again, based on what we know, right? Because we don't know a whole lot still. But if the gist of this is uh, Trump had documents he shouldn't have, um, my sense is there's not a whole lot. Of, where, where else for the, you know, does, does the investigation go? Um, he either had them or he didn't. Uh, the, the government has them now. Uh, prosecution will will likely turn on the legal question rather than the factual question of uh, you know was this permissible uh, did he have um, the required scienter I guess to commit the crime um, those sorts of things as opposed to um, again tracking down new facts or finding new witnesses or or something like that um, uh, so so that's that's why that it rings a little hollow for me. Um, here, uh, I think I think to the extent that um, uh, concerns have been raised about if you had someone who is a confidential informant, for example, at Mar-a-Lago, who said, hey, uh, he's got the uh, nuclear secrets uh, sitting on the pool table or something. Um, uh, you know, it, it, you know, obviously, there may be Trump people and uh, fanatics who could put those uh, person's lives at risk. Um, so I think there's there there, uh, there ought to be. Uh, redaction of of confidential source information. Um, again, that said, uh, e- even there, if if you know, we know that if there was a confidential uh, source, which my guess is there may be, maybe not um, inside Mar-a-Lago. Uh, again, that's a pretty closed universe, and you you know who uh, uh, you know who's working there. Um, so that's that's my sense of. I don't see why where a lot of those those rather rationale that you typically would have for sealing an indictment or sealing an affidavit um, play here in light of the the big picture, uh, which is public trust in the in the FBI uh, and the you know legitimacy of of the, the warrants. Um, you know, to clarify what I said last week. I mean, I, I don't I don't doubt that the um, information. Uh, provided to the judge um, was uh, established probable cause for the uh, the warrants. I would be very surprised, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because because it's a very low bar to get over, right? Um, and essentially, all you need to say is is someone say, "Hey, I've got personal knowledge that Trump's uh, got these documents that he shouldn't have," um, and and you know that's that's the easy bar to get over. Um, the more difficult bar. Is the is was the uh, FBI telling the truth when it did that? And I, and, and I think again, I, I, typically you would give them the presumption that uh, uh, they're telling the truth. But uh, in light of what we've seen from the FBI, with uh, you know changing mem- changing emails from the CIA, um, uh, lying to federal judges to get warrants, um, you know coming up with you know well, a plan B in case Trump is elected. Um, trying to come up with a, a um, Logan Act prosecution for Michael Flynn. Um, 
I, I don't know that they're entitled to that benefit of the doubt anymore. And I think the judge is right saying there is substantial public interest, um, not not just public interest in the way the public would like to know this, but there is a, a public interest in um, believing and knowing that your your Justice Department is operating uh, within its bounds. You know, and, and on this kind of investigation. Yeah, and so I, think, I think the judge is right. Go ahead. I was going to say on on the FBI. Uh, uh, trust sort of issue, I think also should point out that, you know, those of us on the left uh, often believe that there's uh, that certainly uh, at the time, Director Comey's uh, comments right about the Clinton investigation, which which was definitely against FBI sort of standard practice sure. of announcing that may have actually, you know, cost her uh, that very close election. So this is not this is not just a, well, the FBI is a bunch of progressive, you know, progressives led in secret meetings by AOC that are trying to take down Donald Trump. This is a question of, I think, trust and competence and, and, and following sort of apolitical uh, procedures more generally. Sure. Okay. I, I suppose you can look at that from the left, from, from the right. The way the way I would tend to look at it is, you know, listen, if, if this is if if there's an investigation being uh, conducted by Sergeant Joe Friday, right, um, uh, that he's swearing out the warrants, uh, man, I feel a lot better uh, that Joe Friday, the just just the facts, um, straight shooter by the book cop, um, is is uh, is is telling the truth and is trustworthy. And look, if he thinks. We need a warrant to to go in uh, to the the former president's house. Uh, there, there's probably something there, and and that's maybe I'll give I'll give Joe Friday the benefit of the doubt. I would not give Roscoe P. Coltrane the benefit of the doubt when he's always trying to get them Duke boys, um, and that's what this strikes me more as, right? I mean, you've had this sort of. Um, I see. History. Yeah, I, I see what you're you saying. You know, and that's and that's why I think but, it's sort of like well. And the story, the story again is, hey, Trump's a, Trump's a spy, you know, and that's. Well, okay, I don't, I don't know that, that that's. I don't know. I don't know that that's. The, I don't know that that's the story. At least there are some. There are some folks on the on the far left, the sort of left conspiracy theory people who who may believe that, but I don't think that that's. That he was going to sell this to the Russians or the Chinese or whatever to get to get cash. So yeah, the, I, and I I think that's you know that's some of that crazy tin hat stuff on on the far left. Oh, I do. Like, yeah, you know, that so stuff I, on the but, far. Far right, it's like more likely a case. But keep, but keep in mind, there was there was a, a period of time when the, the FBI's position was, you know, essentially painting Trump as a a potential Russian spy. Sure, and, and I think that you know, it, you know, you you make that case about well, it's the Roscoe P. Cole train out to get those Duke boys, but you can look at it the same way. Say, I mean, a different way, saying that well, when you have a can, when you have a a candidate and then a president as unique. I'll, I'll use kind of a neutral oh, word yeah. as unique as mm -hmm. Donald Trump with the sort of ties to the hostile foreign powers that no other presidential candidate or serious presidential candidate or president has actually had that that creates certain problems that I would argue that the system that we have in place was not designed to really address. And so. I suppose this being somewhat of a unique situation, the FBI and, and the and the DOJ was sort of 
kind of making it up as it went along. And clearly, they have gotten some things wrong. There's no question in my mind about that, right? Um, uh, but, but, you know, and I think you would probably agree, uh, you and I would both agree with Mike Pence, right, that, you know, the, the solution is not to defund the FBI. Uh, and, you know, Pence right. oh, has no. been... No, I, um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the, the FBI as, as a whole. Uh, I do think it is. Uh, well, and, and again, I don't want to suggest um, I tried to choose my, my pop culture analogies um, uh, precisely. And uh, <laughs> I, 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 but what I'm saying is the Duke boys uh, really should be investigated by local law enforcement um, for, for a whole bunch sure, of they, reasons. OK, yeah. Yeah, they're always, yes, reckless driving, shooting arrows uh, out of cars with dynamite and uh, I think uh, moonshining moon and all sorts of things. That was Uncle Jesse. Um, but, yeah, they were related to it. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah. Stronger age here, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, no, I'm not saying that the, the Duke boys uh, are above reproach. But what I'm saying is uh, when you have the, the sheriff who is in, always out to get them um, and will we'll cut corners in order to do so, uh, that's that's where I sure. I, I think there's I'm I'm not entitled to I'm not going to give Roscoe the benefit of the doubt that I do to uh, Joe Friday. Well, and of course, the whole point is not to. And I hope everyone gets my all my pop culture reference. Oh, I'm sure they won't because we're 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 old and we're much older than most of our listeners. And so we'd have to use references that we wouldn't even know. So but but I get your references, Jay, and that's the important thing as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, so, you know, I, I guess I hear what you're saying. But I think part of the problem is if we have a system where you are evaluating the character of the person and whether or not to grant the benefit of the doubt, you have a problem right there. Because I, I you know, well, we, have, we have a system that's not built on that because sometimes you'll have people who seem to have good character and don't actually. So we have a system that's supposed sure. to be built on providing clear, documented evidence because that way we don't have to say well is 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 because most people aren't clearly either joe friday or roscoe p coltrane they're like people's like i don't know some guy some agent came to me and i hope he or she is okay but the point is is you know the system's supposed to be a system of laws and not of men or women yeah but i want to i want to distinguish that. there's sort of two tracks that i'm talking about okay here. um the first being the legal and the second being the political all right. right. And I think that from from the legal standpoint of the is there is there a probable cause to issue a warrant? OK, that's a clear legal question. You, you do that from from the political standpoint. Um, and I guess this is this is this is sort of a secondary legal standpoint, right, where you're weighing release of, of that affidavit. Um, what what is the the how strong is the public interest uh, in releasing that information? And my point is, I think the public interest is stronger when you have a, a potential Roscoe P. Coltrane type situation, when there is the, 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 the public distrust is a, a fact that figures into the, the legal, that legal analysis. You know oh, I mean? Okay. Let me, so I will say when you have a perceived Roscoe P. Coltrane yes. sort of yeah, thing. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and whether it's actual yeah, that's, or that's, not. That's, that's oh, a, sure. yes. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a better way to put it because okay. the interest, the interest that, that ought to be served, is one either assuring the public that it is not Roscoe who is in control, um, or two, if it is Roscoe, lowering the boom on him. Right. 
Okay. That, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, you know, we've now, I feel like almost for the, uh, uh, for the, for the picture that goes along with this, with this episode that I always put up, we're going to, I'm going to have to find a Roscoe P. Coltrane sort of thing here because he's come up more, I think, in this one episode than we probably, I don't know if we've ever actually mentioned, uh, uh Roscoe before, but there you go. I'm sure we've met. Oh, I know we, we had, we had a whole thing on the, the, the Duke boys at one point. Okay. The, uh, the General Lee and the Confederate flag. Oh yeah. I'm sure he oh, came up right. there. Well, the, and then when the, the Duke boys were canceled from, uh, from CMT or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure who boss hog would be in this <laughs> analogy. Anyway. Um, so I, I wanted to ask, so it seems to me, and, and I do uh, while we're on, I do want to throw in one more thing. Um, okay. Yeah. Because um, I, I, I'll tell you, I don't watch uh, Fox news. Uh, I, I'll, I'll tend to watch like um, uh, parts, bits and pieces of a uh, Brett bear. Um, uh, it's like one of the report, sane ones. Is, yeah. Yeah. Which is more straight news stuff. Yeah. But occasionally, uh, at the end of that, it bleeds over into the, the primetime stuff. Um, and so some I've had bits and pieces of that on in the background um, before I switch over to Wheel of Fortune, um, which is uh, America's game, Mike. There you uh, go. <laughs> so, um, but uh, I, I, I think what, what some of these people on Fox have done in terms of attacking the judge um, is is clearly out of bounds uh and and i i do want to i just just say that right i mean i'm sort of everyone says oh drew and fox news and you know it's it's but um i don't i don't uh i mean they describe him as the corrupt you know judge and all this stuff um i think i think you can make you can make an argument of uh look perhaps he should have recused himself in this if he recused himself in the other uh, uh trump case although Again, we don't even know necessarily the reasons for his refusal there. Uh, and I think you could make an argument if if I'm the judge. Um, look, this isn't a I'm not hearing the case. I'm deciding probable cause on a warrant. And that's sort of different. Um, um, so so look, I, I'm not saying that there isn't something there to say, uh, gee, could could it, could he have done it better or recused himself or had another judge do this to uh, avoid the potential appearance of, of, of bias or something like that. Um, but saying that is, is something entirely different than saying the corrupt, crooked judge uh, and, you know, they, the FBI judge shopped and all this kind of stuff. Well, I mean, they, they went to the, the federal court where, where Mar-a-Lago Mar is. I right. mean, that's, 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 that's what you do. Yeah. Place to go. So, um, and you are, I don't, Let's say, and you are not calling for civil war here. Let's let's be clear. Jay is not uh, Jay is not behind not. or supporting any calls for civil war. Um, you're generally, yeah, and, and I guess that's that's just, war. and and that's sort of the the, the weird place I, I find myself in. So often is, um, I think it's perfectly okay to say, "Hey, I have I have concerns about this." Sure. Um, and quite another to say, uh, you know, this is a a crooked, corrupt, you know. Right. Judge, this is civil war, that kind of thing. So I just wanted to. It, it seems to me that how this is, how this could possibly play out is that uh, uh, DOJ gives the judge these redactions and it's basically just like one big blacked out Sharpie thing yes. with a couple of uh, <laughs> that's, that's adjectives. My guess. That's my guess is what they're going to come yeah. back with. Yeah. And, and the judge says, well, no, uh, you need to. Uh, redact less, and then uh, it goes back and forth. There's an appeal if the judge says, well, this is what we're going to release. And I mean, I think it's going to be, yeah. it, it seems to me it's likely to be a while before we see much of anything, because we have no idea what even would happen on appeal here. 
Yeah, that, and that's that's exactly right. Um, that's what I think will happen. There'll be some back and forth, and then there'll be an order, and whatever that order is, uh, DOJ will appeal it. Um, which, which to me, that's that's going to be sort of telling. Yeah. Right. Um, but. Um, and I you think know. maybe you can see, I mean, if I'm, I don't know anything about Judge Reinhardt, really, but uh, given, given the threats and the other stuff that he dealt with, he, I, I could understand, and I'm not saying this is the case because I have no way of knowing, where he might actually, it makes sense where from on the personal level, he'd be more inclined to kind of let this information out or at least try to get it out of his, this question out of his hands because, you yeah. know, hey, let's, let's put this on some appellate court because I don't want any more to you know, the deal with this because I've had threats against yeah. my life and all this other crazy stuff. Yeah. And so, but I wanted to also ask you about process because one of our, um, one of our listeners who also is on the, the Discord, uh, a lot of fun, a guy named, uh, that's not his real name, the Poopsicle. <laughs> Let's hope it's not his real name. I'm sure it's not. But he uh, said, he posted an article. It was a really interesting an argument from, I think it was The Spectator, suggesting that we should maybe think about changing the process for obtaining search warrants for high-ranking government officials. Now, this is not a problem that comes up a whole lot, right? But right. you can sort of look forward, and this kind of gets into me saying that, well, we're kind of dealing with problems that traditionally we haven't really had to deal with, but it looks like there could be a lot more of this now because I think both you and I agree that this sets a dangerous and concerning precedent, right? No matter what the FBI yeah, ends up yeah. finding. And so uh, as part of this article, the, the author argued that, well, maybe there should be like a process where if it's the a president, vice president or former president, vice president, members of Congress, uh, uh, you know, federal judges, that sort of thing, that there should be like a, some kind of a special three judge panel that reviews future applications and, and a legal requirement that the attorney general, the FBI director sign off on these things. And maybe even you could maybe consider some requirements as to you know, publicly uh, information about the reasons for or the parts of the affidavit, yeah. that sort of thing. I was wondering what you think about having a separate process for certain officials. I mean, maybe it wouldn't be those details exactly, but, but yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, I, 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 not having read the, the spectator yeah. article, um, but just based on what you're telling me, I, I would be opposed to that. Okay. And how, um, why is that? For, for the reasons of, I don't think we ought to have a different legal process uh, for those folks, right? I mean, probable cause is probable cause. Um, what I think we, we ought to have is uh, more consideration in the political process uh, and political, using good political judgment on these cases. So for here, here's the thing. If, if this turns out that uh, Trump had, you know, stacks of uh, uh, top secret nuclear stuff laying around uh, that he was uh, going to gonna hand over to someone else, uh, e you know, either friends, family or uh, someone suggested, you know, put a put on the walls at, uh, you know, various Trump hotels as memorabilia um, or whether he was going to sell them to the Russians. Uh, if that turns out to be the situation, then then we're going to say, OK, wow, um, the Justice Department did the right thing. Yeah. Um, uh, if, on the other hand, it's just random stuff, uh, none of which seems to have much, you know, real defense value, uh, either, either, you know, was declassified uh, formally or informally. Uh, but, you know, that th those sort of things, I mean, I think it's going to be a much 
uh, people are going to look at this and say, wow, it looks like, you know, DOJ was overreaching and this looks like a political persecution. Um, so I think it comes down to me that the political judgment um, uh, of of our yeah. one I, attorney, you know, yeah. attorneys and also secondly, the, the brass there saying, one, how how big a deal is this um, to kind of get the information or get what I need another way without starting a, a political bonfire? Um, and, and and then yeah. three, uh, you know, it is I forget what three was. Well, and you know, on um, the on two, I'll say if if that parts of that affidavit actually are released, we'll have a better sense of exactly what that process was because yeah. there's talk that well, actually, there there was a long process and there may have been a Trump attorney who signed the document saying that yes, everything has been turned we over when in fact back. that wasn't yeah. the case. Yeah. And but we don't know that. That's just all kind of leaks here and there, right? It, it yeah. seems to me that the Justice Department may have been put in kind of a no-win situation because sort of how I envision this, I, I don't think, I could be wrong, certainly. I don't think that there was any Trump plan saying, I'm going to keep these things and I'm going to sell them to the Russians or the Chinese or someone and you know to, to, to raise money for X. I find yeah. that impl highly implausible. What I find a lot more plausible and in keeping with what I think is Donald Trump's character is he takes all this stuff because he can, because it's his, and because, well, you never know, it might be useful someday. You know, yeah. it gives me some leverage. And so, well, okay, does that mean that he had plans to sell it specifically? No, I don't think that I, I would be stunned if there were someone could make an actual plausible legal case, right? And so I think probably the most plausible case you can build is that he took these things, they're sensitive things. What was he going to do with them? Well, we don't have any evidence that he was going to necessarily do anything. But Trump being Trump, I could see him saying, hey, let's keep this in my back pocket. Maybe right. I can use this. Well, or I, I would say I don't even know know that because I I would be surprised. And these are things we'll we'll learn later. Um, if Trump even knows what was in all those boxes. Yeah, I'm sure some of them. Yeah, right? I mean, this is this is a thing of, of it's, you know, Trump doesn't pack the box when, when the president yeah. leaves the White House. <laughs> yeah. They typically don't pack the boxes themselves. Yeah, no, hardly. Um, you know, you have like the yeah, you know, they're carrying it out to the moving truck, and um, you know, you you tell the GSA, hey, take everything in these cabinets, take everything in this room, box it up, and send it. Um, uh, so so that I mean, I, I I don't think it's it was, and again, we'll find out. But is there a conscious thing of oh, I want to make sure I get this the top secret info I have relating to uh, the yeah. president of France. But but, um, but what I mean about the no-win situation... It's, it's more just, hey, this is my stuff, yeah. I want it, I'm keeping it, you guys want it back, I'm Trump, I don't want to give it to you. Yeah, but what I mean about the no-win situation, just to clarify, is that if you are, you know, DOJ, uh, Attorney General Garland, those folks, and, and you get what you feel is plausible and reliable information that the former president has, say, sensitive nuclear documents and who knows what he's going to do with them. How do you yeah. and you, right. you got to do something? Yeah. You right. can't just say, well, I, geez, I, geez, I don't want to get involved in that, you know, and and I, we've asked for them a couple of times. And, and this is what I'm saying. Maybe we don't know. But let's say that there actually was a process. And then they they had good reason to believe that folks representing Donald Trump were lying to them about turning stuff over, then there comes a point where you say, well, we need to do something. And I don't know if I remember, I mentioned this last week, but you say, well, you know, there's an election coming up and do we want to just 
we don't want to do this too close to the election. And so do we wait yeah. until after the election? But that gives them a lot more time to do something potentially with it. And is that a concern? And so it, it's a really bad situation, no matter kind of how you look at it. I don't see there's any way that DOJ acts here that doesn't cause some problems, I think. That's what I mean by no win. Yeah, no, I, I think there's always, but it's it's a, it's a matter of, um, uh, you know, again, often your choices in, in government and politics, it's not between uh, good and bad or even better yeah. and worse. Yeah. It's between, um, you know, bad and, and more uh, bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's just that's just, you know, the way it is. So maybe this will turn out to to be the less bad alternative. Um, uh, although, you know, again, I I think it's it, it again. And I'm, I'm not I, I want to be clear. um because there's there's so much misderstanding i think from from uh our listenership uh, Jay's say, very misunderstood like that, <laughs> no, go ahead that, you know that that um it, I, i'm not saying that you know is is trump guilty or innocent or whatever he's being charged with i don't know i mean he's he's you know again hasn't really even been charged um uh does he have good reasons for keeping this i don't know is you know the, uh, my my point is when there's this extraordinary step taken um this the, the public trust uh sort of would demand more transparency yeah yeah not that, or, or yeah. let's put it this way the greatest the greatest level of transparency that you can achieve without um compromising the investigation yeah, yeah I, I i totally agree with you on that no question so you know i want to move into a sort of related thing very related thing actually because one of the, we discussed this last week one of the things that the justice department may be investigating Donald Trump for is potentially violating the espionage act and you know that sounds serious no one wants to be you know accused of no. espionage right uh, and so you know i could see where it'd be understandable if if you hear rand paul was in the last week saying well we need to repeal the espionage act it's like okay so yeah yeah we don't want donald trump to be you know tried for espionage right but but I think before we consider that, it's helpful to look at a little history of the Espionage Act. And, uh, yes. you know, this dates from 1917. Congress passed this at the urging of President Wilson, uh, who uh, essentially wanted to suppress dissent about U.S. involvement or potential involvement in World War One. And initially it it didn't just prohibit gathering, transmitting, losing information uh, as, as acts as with intent or reason to believe it's used to the injury of the United States or the advantage of any foreign nation. I'm, I'm for that, right? But there sure. were also these amendments passed in 1918, uh, just a year later, that prohibited speech that was considered disloyal or abusive to the United States. Uh, now, yes. now, now, those blatantly. These were your original progressives. Yes. People. Now, 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 these were blatantly unconstitutional amendments, and they were repealed in 1921. And in fact, right. there have not been, not before not before prosecutions were right. upheld uh, by the Supreme Court. That's right. Um, that's right. Against, but uh, uh, Debs and uh, Shank and uh, for things like essentially yeah, making arguments against uh, the draft uh, yeah. against uh, World yeah. War One. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, but. But when Senator Paul is talking about the Espionage Act, he called it uh, an egregious affront to the First Amendment. And, you know, I think that's certainly true of those amendments I just mentioned. But I yeah. I went through the full that stuff's been gotten rid yeah. of by now. I mean, I went through the full text of it. I read it all just yesterday. And honestly, Jay, I don't see any egregious affronts to the First Amendment. I mean, it certainly prohibits certain speech, but 
To me, it seems like it's a narrowly tailored means of achieving a compelling governmental objective, which makes it perfectly okay uh, on the First Amendment. And so I wanted to get your your take. Is is Rand Paul just sort of politically posturing here? Or what do you think about the Espionage Act as it as it stands today? So, well, well, Rand Paul, I mean, if you consider where Rand Paul is coming from, right, that he is pure libertarian. hardcore i i can sort of get that right um because i think in rand paul's world uh and and maybe i don't want to put words in his mouth but much less uh information would be classified than is classified now right and it's almost like sort of this um like i said very much libertarian chaotic good kind of um Mm -hmm. uh, kind of alignment right um uh you know so for example um uh, the Pentagon Papers case, right? I mean, a lot of it, it'd be that kind of argument that I think Rand Paul, as a libertarian, would certainly have, have argued. Uh, listen, um, you know this this information actually uh, probably could be damaging uh, to the uh, to the uh, U.S. Uh, U.S. war, but it wasn't a clear and present danger to the to the war. Uh, so therefore, it it uh, should be released, and and you should not be prosecuted. Uh, for possessing it or or passing it on, um, so I, I think part of it comes from from his libertarian standpoint, right? The the um, clear and present danger type standard, um, uh, yelling fire in a crowded theater, that kind of thing. I think he would put that that standard much higher than other people would, if you follow me. So I, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's some political posturing in it. Um, but as you said, the, the speech component um, is, you know, is not what it what it once was. I mean, there were there were prosecutions under, under this against uh, Jehovah's Witnesses uh, for sending out the, the watchtower. Right. Because it was sort of had a pacifist um, mm-hmm. anti-war message, uh, that sort of thing. Um, uh, it's it's not uh, in, in, in the, the bigger stuff, actually, was, I think it was 1952. Uh, the you know hand and classified and the other the the interesting thing that I learned um, that I think there is an interesting argument is on the void for vagueness type thing. That yeah. was a Supreme yeah. Court case that said um, found it was not void for vagueness. Uh, and void void for vagueness um, means uh, that if a criminal statute is so unclear as that you can't really tell if your conduct is prohibited by it, uh, then it can't be enforced against you. Um, so the, the, uh, espionage act, uh, actually says that what it's illegal to do is to have, um, re- let me make sure I have this right. A material related to the national defense, um, that, that you shouldn't have. And that's, I mean, what uh, is that, what does that mean? I think that's, a, that's a reasonable exactly, point yeah. to raise. What, what is related to national defense? Well, that's a lot of stuff. And so, I get that. I think it walks right up to it's that. It's not line. just classified yeah. stuff, and it could be other stuff that's that's uh, uh, you know military. Some stuff that maybe is non-military. So I think you could you could maybe have an as applied void for vagueness. Or, or, I don't know if you yeah. can have an as applied void for vagueness. That's a good question. Um, but I think you, I think you could have a, a, a challenge. Um, the court might look at it differently than it did. Uh, I think the, that that case was. Uh, like in the early 80s. Yeah. Well, I, and, and the problem, I think, with making it more narrow, uh, the definitions is that, well, let's say 
It's wild hypothetical. You have a president who's a Russian agent, and he declassifies a whole bunch of things, and so he doesn't violate the Espionage Act, right, because the the right. new and new and improved Espionage Act says it's only classified documents. Well, the president says, I declassified right. all this. So, I mean, so it gets really tricky, and to me, it comes down to a, well, can you convince a judge and a jury that this is actually related to the national defense? And also, I should point out, there's a, a section in it saying that that the person who's being charged has to have intent or reason to believe that this information. Right. So it's not like a innocent mistake. And I think that's that's on the Trump's other real big offense, a real big defense. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, well, we just told yeah. him to pack it up, and we didn't know it was in there, yeah. and so yeah. And I, and so it seems to me. Well, I should point out also that you know this hasn't been used a whole lot, the Espionage Act, uh, though the Obama administration used it a bunch. Uh, they charged eight people with. Well, leaking, that's mostly used against leakers, where it's just pretty clearly yeah. intent, right? Because you're doing this, you exactly. know. Exactly. You're taking it. Yeah, I think there was the, the Chelsea Manning and uh, um, uh, that the, case comes the to The Assange. Mind. And uh, yeah, yeah, so Trump, yeah. I, uh, there were, I think, six leakers charged during the Trump administration. But the point being is it, it's done, it, it's generally only used or, or, or a charge that's leveled when there's actually some, it's pretty clear that there was intent here, right? That you, you right. knew this it's was- It's usually the, not for just the possession of documents. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Which is why I just, I still find it really hard to envision uh, a non-kind of tin fat, tin, tin hat, tinfoil hat conspiracy sort of thing that there's this strong enough case that could be made against Donald Trump to kind of justify all this in a way. I hope I'm wrong, right? Because if not, then, boy, this just sets us down a road that's going to be a really ugly road, potentially. And so I I, I really hope I'm wrong about this. But gosh, I, I, I don't know. We'll see, I guess, maybe. Yeah. But, you know, one, one more thing I, I do want to throw out, just because, and this, this doesn't even actually um, relate to Trump, um, but in doing a little bit of the research uh, on this, um, uh, and, you know, I use the word research in quotes, but I, mean, I, I knew the <laughs> Espionage Act came from, from uh, 1917 and about these, these um, uh, Wilson-era uh, prosecutions. But uh, it, it was used, I mean, even, even later than that, and in ways that I think Americans today would very much find shocking. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in terms of, of what was... Uh, seen as being, you know, anti-patriotic, you know, or, or again, just a, you know, hey, I don't know about this war, um, you know, shut up, you're you're going to jail, and these these are prosecutions from the federal government that that stuck. Um, yeah, uh, there was there was also a, a piece I read about about how did the the it, it was so much of the enforcement, of course, was left to um, uh, U.S. district attorneys. And sort of their impression of it, and there was—I don't know if it was Debs or it was another one of these uh, these guys who who look. I probably wouldn't be a fan of what they're saying, um, but it given given you know this this speech, uh, numerous locations uh, across the country, uh, and in a bunch of uh, uh, jurisdictions, the you know the uh, prosecuting you know the district attorney there thought, well, all right, that's that's fine, free speech, and in one of them, um, uh, you know the the. Uh, uh, attorney uh, for that district said, "No, we got to press charges." Um, so again, there's even this weird mismatch uh, that that look you can you can uh, violate the Espionage Act, or or you could at least under the the former in one uh, uh, district, but not in another. Um, and uh, so so anyway, I, it just 
it just strikes me so often people when they say things are shocking or unprecedented or this is the, the worst thing that's ever happened in our history um no no not really yeah I, you know i'm not and Not it, to justify either, yeah. just to put it in context. And and also, it's it's one thing if you're being accused of this, and you are a uh, a decimillionaire or billionaire uh, former president. And uh, another thing, if you're just some guy who you know doesn't necessarily have a whole lot of resources, and the weight of the government coming down uh, on you is a uh, is a pretty significant thing. Certainly, you know. You well, I've got I've got a really good quote on that. It is from um, I think it was either Brandeis or Holmes. So this this actually was in uh, uh, Abrams versus United States, and uh, Justice Holmes did dissent with Brandeis. Um, and Holmes said, uh, to sort of Mike's point, that uh, nobody can suppose that the surreptitious publishing of a silly leaflet by an unknown man without more would present any immediate danger that its opinions would hinder the success of the government government arms or have any appreciable t- appreciable tendency to do so. Um, and I, I think I, I, I you know, it's it sort of you can uh, put that in today's terms of of look, just some crazy poster on social media um, is, is, you know, yeah. When there's this urge to, oh my gosh, we got to do something or ban. So even even Holmes, who who came around on this question, um, um, would say, look, if it's a surreptitious, uh, silly leaflet by an unknown uh, uh, schmuck. Um, uh, we we ought to just let it go. So yeah, absolutely. I think we, you and I, are in firm agreement that we should not prosecute. We are those unknown, unknown schmucks. schmucks. Mike. Yeah, exactly. we, we are sort of these. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Let's let's uh, move on to something uh, entirely different. Actually, primary elections because they continued this week, and the focus really was on. Two of the less populous states, Alaska and Wyoming, I wanted to start with Alaska, where moderate Republican Lisa Murkowski, who voted to convict President Trump in his impeachment trial, was actually the top vote getter over Trump endorsed Republican uh, Telly Shabaka. And in the race for that one House seat in Alaska, Trump endorsed Trump uh, and Trump endorsed Sarah Palin, a blast from the past. She was the top Republican vote getter, though Democrat Mary uh, Peltola received more votes than Palin did. And she might actually be the favorite going into their new Alaska's new ranked choice system in November. So in other words, we have uh, we, we have Murkowski surviving, basically, and seemingly well doing better than anyone else. And and then we have Sarah Palin also doing really well. So. Oh, what do you what do you make of these Alaska results? What do they tell you about uh, Trump's uh, power, authority, what have you? Any of that stuff? What do you take away from it? Well, I think uh, there is something they've said that that all elections are local, um, and and also do sort of turn on the merits of, of those candidates. Um, so in in this case, uh, Murkowski was a, a long history. Uh, family history in Alaska of of winning and and uh, uh, you know it's I I think you know Trump Trump's uh, uh, shadow didn't did not um, reach that far right um, yeah and I, and I and, think Alaska is weird I think that's, you know yeah. I mean uh, I, I mentioned that they have they have a ranked choice system now they're just starting oh, I was going to mention that yeah. yeah how you like your ranked choice voting now I like it a lot actually you know Alaska and Maine are doing it I, I think it's it's awesome kind of those two kind of but but yeah I mean I, I think well the, well the the idea though is is I mean um 
you know, if it is just uh, at this point, Murkowski and uh, Chewbacca. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like I still I still think ranked choice voting is 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 the, the way to go. I mean, the, the point of a the point of a voting system shouldn't be that, well, the candidates that I want to win win. Because I'm gaming the system right. through a voting, uh, so no. In terms of you know, will ranked choice voting always result in the candidate I want winning winning? No, and that shouldn't be that way. So, but I, I would hate to think that I'm the sort of person who would say, well, this system doesn't lead to my preferred policy results, so therefore it is, it, it must be well, wrong. That's very, that's very, that's very big minded of you. Yeah, I think that's just kind of how I am. Yeah, intellectually just, honest. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it's, that's me, big minded and intellectually honest. But, uh, but, but yeah. So, so to me, it's kind of a mixed thing. Like so Murkowski has a, a long history. Alaska is kind of a kind of a weird state in a lot of ways, right? And uh, you know, Sarah Palin, she's got a weird. So Alaska, I, I can almost want to put Alaska aside, right? I think what's more interesting to me is the main event here last week's primary was from Wyoming, right? Well, okay, wait, 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 one more time. Though. Oh yeah, who is who is the uh, who's the uh, second uh, uh, second choice after Murkowski? Uh, Shabaka. I've been waiting all week to do that. Uh, well, <laughs> moving on from Wookie, we're, we're we're getting weird into the, the the pop culture of our youth with 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 Wookies and the Dukes of Hazard and so forth. I don't know, but uh, so you know, I want to get on to Wyoming because I think it was yes. more or less a foregone conclusion that Liz Cheney was going to lose to Trump. Choice, right? Harriet, Harriet Hagman, and and Cheney lost big. I mean, a two to one margin. Bigly, yeah, bigly. Yes. Now Cheney has strongly hinted about a twenty twenty four presidential run. She told supporters it's something she's thinking about, uh, and she's going to make a decision in coming months, and that her priority is going to be doing whatever it takes to keep Donald Trump out of the Oval Office. Now looked at one way. It's a pretty swift fall from power for Cheney. I mean, just a year ago, she was the number three Republican in the House. She comes from a traditionally powerful Republican family, kind of resenting the, representing the sort of pre-Trumpian era of the party. And so, Jay, you are, you, you are the one Republican in the House here uh, in our conversation here. So what do you take away from Cheney's loss and how do you see, you know, what might be next for her? Well, all right. So I, I've. There was uh, somewhere I believe it was National Review that, that said, "Listen, you can um, view uh, Liz Cheney's loss as a a uh, she went down in very much a defensive of principle uh, and standing for up w what was right. Uh, you can also say it was a stunt of uh, uh, sort of monomania and um, uh, bad political judgment, and that both of those can be absolutely true at the same time." Um, if you follow me, and and so my, my issue with with Liz Cheney is is I, I think she voted the right way when she voted to impeach Trump the second time. Um, we and we've been over this uh, a couple times. I think I would have I would have argued differently or made statements saying, "Listen, this is more a you know dereliction of duty as opposed to a this was a coup attempt to, to take over the government." Um, and I think what what Cheney um, initially was going to do on the committee to say, listen, we need answers for January 6th. It's important to know who did what. Um, yeah, I think those are important questions. Um, but it, is, it sometimes happens. There's this weird anti-Trump effect that is it's intoxicating um, that uh, once you come out against Trump, uh, 
hard. All these other people jump up and they they love you and they're patting you on the back. And I think it 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 must feel really good, right? Um, you're one of the good ones. Uh, and so I think she she got too much into that. I mean, so much her statements uh, in the committee did not sound like the statements of a um, uh, unbiased fact finder of I'm trying to get to the bottom of this. Uh, it came off very much the Adam Schiff, Benny Thompson uh, type uh, type argument yeah. that and this I, was I, this yeah. was a you know, and, and I think I think that's the thing. I think I think if she had steer, steered a narrower course, uh, she might still have lost. Um, but I, I think uh, she would not have lost as bigly. Uh, and I think you you could have. There's I mean because because look I I have a lot of issues with the, the January sixth. Uh, commission and the way it's it's being handled and the whole idea and this this goes to sort of what we talked about with the search warrant as well um, is if you know can can the public have confidence that this is a fair and impartial um, uh, exercise in, in searching for the truth um, and I think that's kind of tough to, to to do I mean for example people point out like well she could have uh, uh, stood up and said listen I'm not going to uh, subpoena uh, Ginny Thomas's emails because they would seem to have absolutely nothing to do with this, uh, and it's just an attempt to use this committee to try to in- embarrass her husband and and uh, you know force him to recuse himself on potential issues that sort of thing. Um, uh, likewise, you know the uh, after um, uh, Cassidy Hutchinson uh, testified, uh, and that was that was sort of when the, the whole thing really got exciting right hey there's really new stuff here and it's this you know trump tried to grab the steering wheel and all that uh, you know you had some some uh, secret service uh, agents who came forward and said no that didn't happen uh we'll testify to that and yet they weren't called um and i don't want to pin this on cheney but on kinzinger right uh said well look you know we, those guys are liars anyway um all that sort of speaks to that you know this was not a serious process and she's seen as um, not so much standing up for the republic uh, or republican ideas, um, uh, but but making common cause with uh, again Benny Thompson and Adam Schiff. And, and I think that's that's one reasonable way to interpret it. Another, I would argue, reasonable way to interpret it is that she has been immersed in uh, the the potential crimes and corruptions and malfeasance of Donald Trump in a way that that you and I and most people can't even imagine. And it's entirely sure. reasonable to suggest that, uh, that that she, the more she was exposed to this as a decent principled person who wanted to do what's best for the country, she said, oh my God, I knew he was bad, but I had yeah. no idea. And just being battered with this day after day after sure. day. She, she may know, yeah, may know more than what we know. Let's hope so. I mean, <laughs> given yeah. given the amount of time she's put on this, I would think so. So I, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying this is there, there's another and both of those things could also be true to a certain yeah. extent. Um, and also there could be just the political calculation of, of listen, I, there's no point in me being this kind of milquetoast, kind of on the fence sort of person. Right. No, I agree with that, too, that, that eventually Trumpism will collapse upon itself and then she'll be the last person. Exactly. Hand. So all three of those yeah. things could certainly be true yeah. to a certain extent. And, and you know, uh, we should point out that uh, 
On Wednesday, Cheney filed with the FEC to establish a leadership pact called the Great Task, right? There's no question, I think, sure. she's going to be able to raise millions of dollars for that. And uh, like you said, she she might she she might very well be positioning herself as probably not for 2024. I don't see a non-Trumpian candidate Agreed. emerging. But you could sort of see a 2028 sort of thing when maybe she envisions a situation in which this is blown up in the party's face. They're ready to kind of reimagine, if you will, or go back to kind of a, a traditional sort of republicanism. They're looking for someone who has stood firm against it and repudiated Donald Trump, who's now serving, you know, 10 to 20 for God knows yeah. what. Right. And then there's Liz Cheney. She was right all along. So you can kind of see that as being a potential uh, future for her under that kind of scenario. Yeah. yeah. But I think, you know, she still could have she still could have made that uh, again. My. Uh, it, it, it's my my issue isn't so much with what she did, but how she did it. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying there, and 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 it's sort of that is a little bit um um I don't want to say offensive because that word is is used so often and and so inappropriately, um but it's it's a big turnoff to uh uh to to uh, uh Republicans. Um, well, yeah, who may who may look who may like like me, right? I I. I've got a lot of bad things to say about Donald Trump. Um, I think you can say a lot of bad things and a lot of them would be, would be true. Um, but it's, it's a, it's another thing to, to jump on board um, with the, you know, I, the am. I, I hear what you're saying. The I hear people who spent six years telling us he's a Russian yeah. spy. No, I hear what you're saying. And, and, and I agree to a certain extent, it reminds me of I, uh, I recently did an interview with uh, with a guy who uh, named Bill Kuhn, who wrote a book called Facts and Fury. Uh, the subtitle you'll love this an unapologetic primer on how the GOP has destroyed American democracy. So as I'm sure it's on your wow. reading list. Right. But but so, you know, I, I, I asked one of the questions I asked him is, you know, this is a really inflammatory book. You use words like fascist and all this and, you know, and and uh, unironically, seriously. And I said, so why would you do that? And he said, you know. I'm actually a pretty moderate, reasonable guy in our conversation, which which will be uh, it'll be out in a couple of weeks here. He he really is. But he said, I, I needed to find a way to get my message out. And I realized that if I was just as kind of like, well, you know, there are some things I'm not so crazy about. That's going to get totally lost in all of the noise. And so I think there's this tension. Right. And, and we can maybe see it in Cheney saying, well, how do I get heard? How do I give myself a platform and put myself out there as someone who can maybe take us on a different course without engaging in this sort of rhetoric. And that's, I think that's really tough to do and it's getting tougher all the time. And so that's, I think maybe plays into it as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, I, th I think that, that, uh, that sounds right. Yeah. And, and so, you um, know, more broadly, Jay, if we take a look at the, the impeachment 10, right. I mean, four yeah. of them, uh, and of course, I mean the 10 House members who voted, uh, Republicans who voted to impeach, four of them decided to retire, uh, kind of seeing the handwriting on the wall, right? Four of them yeah. were successfully primaried. And so we have two survivors out of that 10. Uh, in one of those races, Donald Trump didn't even make an endorsement in a California district that Biden actually won by 13 points. Um, and, and so, I mean, when I look at this, there are two ways I look at this, Jay. I say, well, number one, I say, well, this shows 
that, and I think this is the way a lot of folks on the left look at it, maybe some folks on the right, that Donald Trump is still a very strong and commanding presence, and this is a, a horrible thing for our republic. And I get that. But another way I look at it is any member of a party who votes to remove that party's leader from office is almost necessarily going to face an incredible yeah. blow. So, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to separate out, right, the, the, the exceptionalness of Donald Trump, again, using a very neutral term, with the fact of, well, party loyalty is a, a, about what being a party member is about. You know, you hear what I'm saying, right? I mean, so I don't yeah. know how extraordinary yeah. this actually is. Well, and it's this weird sort of, weird sort of thing of uh, they're asking – the question is, uh, you know, that is posed to all of these, everyone in the uh, Republican primary, if, if uh, you know, you're not the Trump candidate, sort of is, do you know, do you renounce Donald Trump and all his works? Yeah. Um, uh, and the the idea that, you know, you you have to say, it, and in a weird thing, because like, right, I get that question all the time. People are always, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, emails, why won't you deny? Um, and it's sort of this like, well, there's there's no benefit for Republicans to do that, really, right? Uh, and there is a significant cost for them to do that. Yeah, um, because you you can say, um, and it was it was funny. I was talking with someone who was a, a lifelong Democrat the other day, uh, and sort of made the point of look as uh, you know as just you know who i am i can't argue with a lot of the stuff that trump did um policy wise uh he's like i think he's a horrible person <laughs> you know I mean? he's he's dreadful he's a liar he's he's you know all these all these things um but you know when you're calling on someone to again renounce trump uh his his empty promises and lies and all his works and so forth there's there's just no uh, you know if you're you're a uh a republican there's there's no good answer. Um, it doesn't get you anything to say yes. You'll get you get a lot of pats on the back from Democrats and say, "Wow, look how honest they are. Good job." Um, and then they'll completely scorch you in the next election, right? You'll you'll be a fascist in three weeks afterwards. Um, but um, but I think even if you, you take know, a more nuanced position and you say, you know, I I believe that on policy, uh, Trumpism makes a lot of sense. And even if you don't necessarily, there are some things where you probably wouldn't on immigration and you know, that kind of thing. But even if you yeah. then you say, but uh, I'm very much against the uh, uh, saying that elections were were rigged and so forth. Yeah. When all the evidence says or not, you're still going to get scorched because there are tens of millions of Republicans who absolutely believe that the election system was raided against Donald Trump and right. always will be. Right. And so how do you navigate that? There's no good way to kind of do that, basically. Yeah, no, I think that that's exactly right. But, but I do want to point out there is there is this weird sort of anti-Trump fever of of people who have who have dealt with them. And maybe it is just thing of once you've dealt with them, then you're like, oh, my God, I got to I got to stop this guy. Um, but the other person that comes to mind is uh, Ohio Governor John Kasich, mm -hmm. uh, who ran sure. against uh, Trump for the, the primary and who I voted for. Uh, I, I wrote in um, back in the day in, in this weird sort of thing of, of when he ran um, uh, Kasich still had two years left in his term as Ohio governor. Uh, but after he lost the primary, he turned his, his efforts almost exclusively into just bashing Donald Trump. It was sort of like he completely sort of forgot that he was, you know, the, the governor of Ohio and, and doing other, you know, Ohio and Republican yeah, had a day job. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and I, I, cause I'm on like the mailing list. Right. And I would get these every day of just, you know, another Trump outrage and all this sort of thing. And, and I'm still getting them. Um, and it's just sort of this, this weird sort of thing. And, and so, you know, much of the Ohio Republican party turned on him very quickly. Uh, and to me, it's not, it's not less, it, it's not necessarily the, um, he's, he's not supporting Trump enough. It's, uh, why, why are you doing this? Right. There's, there's like other fights to be had. You know, I, I really right? think Jay, I mean, you, that, you could yeah. be out there making the case for, for a strong Republican policy on something else and just not worrying about, I mean, I think the, 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 the candidates who are saying uh, quite rightfully, look, this next election isn't about what happened or didn't happen in 2020. It's about uh, fixing inflation. It's about, uh, you know, putting, putting our economy, putting, you know, getting people back uh, into the job market, that sort of thing. I, you know, I, I just really think, Jay, it, it's because anyone who spends any time in the orbit of Donald Trump or oh, thinking yeah. about Donald Trump, it's really hard to, to, I think, for anyone to do that and say, ah, you know, he's, uh, he's got his qualities here and there. I think well, these, these are, and these are people I like and respect. Another one I, I, I put in that, that uh, category is John Bolton. Yeah. Right. Who is just now yeah. again, vehemently anti-Trump always all the time. Um, I mean, and, that, that and, but and again, it, I say these are the it, kind it of justified. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it seems like it's one way or the other. It's like you don't say like, well, I've, I'm kind of a lukewarm Trump supporter or, or a lukewarm Trump right. opponent. It's, you know, you spend any amount of time with him or thinking about him or looking at him that it just he's just so incredibly more incredibly polarizing and, and then perhaps anyone I can I can think of in, in our lifetimes, yeah. you know, in that sense. So so I wanted to ask you, do you think do you think Cheney ends up running in 2024 anyway? I mean, well, what, what's your take on, on that? Because it seems I hope not. Yeah. Well, why? Why is that? Well, I, I think one um, third parties are always a disaster. Um, I mean, secondly, I mean, running I, as a Republican, you know, I would assume she would. run. Yeah, no, I don't think she runs as a Republican. OK, OK. Yeah, I don't think she would she would enter the primary because I think she she would get trounced at that point. Um, but uh, I don't see her renouncing yeah, her think, party. I think, I, I think Cheney's Cheney's mission, as she sees it, is to bring back the Republican Party to the Republican Party of kind of her father's era, basically. And that's actually, I think, the Republican Party that you're kind of a, a fan of well, right, for the most part. Yeah. yeah so if, if we could if we could get uh, Dick Cheney to run. And my God, he's still tough enough. He could do it. Yeah, but, but uh, I would in a minute. I'd be out campaigning for him. Um, but I mean, I can see a scenario where Cheney gets, uh, uh, say, the minimum percentage of the uh, of in polling to appear on the debate stage. Though I think probably what the RNC does, I think they did this in 2016, is say, well, we're imposing this loyalty test. If you don't pledge to support the eventual nominee, then we're not going to let you yeah. be part of the debates. And Cheney, of course, won't do that. I mean, Trump did it, but then he kind of renounced it when he thought there might be a possibility he wouldn't be the nominee. But, you know, so but but I think I don't think Cheney gets on a debate stage with Donald Trump. Though, as I said, to some folks, I would pay I think it would be a great pay-per-view event if you could get uh, you could get Chris Christie, Donald Trump, Liz Cheney, Ted Cruz uh, uh, on the stage. I would love to see how that debate would play out. You know, I think it'd be Ron DeSantis. I mean, I think that would be a fascinating yeah. thing to actually actually watch because I, a lot of folks I think would have looked at this whole thing we've been talking about. I mean, for a lot of the episode, right with with the Mar-a-Lago raid, said, well, this actually makes it more likely that Trump is going to be the nominee because so many people have just. Feel like well, see the deep state is it against. Does. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. And, you know, there there are people who are supposedly close to DeSantis, DeSantis supporters saying that now he is less likely to kind of go up against Trump. And DeSantis isn't that old. You can see him saying, well, 2028, you know, that's that's fine. I don't want to destroy myself in 24 running against Donald Trump because there's no way he's running in 2028. So, I mean, I I don't know. I look at the especially especially if, you know, eventually. Uh, a year and a half from now, uh, we get a a less redacted version of the affidavit. Yeah. And it turns out to be a big nothing burger. Yeah. And I think that's more likely than not, you know, given what I had to say about the, which is not to say that I think that the Department of Justice shouldn't have done anything. But, but yeah, I think that. And, and, and also there there will be, let, let's put it this way. I, I fully believe before we get to 2024, there will be a prosecution of Donald Trump um, over January 6th. And that, well, that, that, that might be possible. Yeah. I, I'm a little less convinced uh, of that, but yeah, I, I, so I guess when I look at all of this, I am more convinced than ever given what we've seen and given what we know about the Republican primary process and primary voters in general, that Donald Trump is, uh, I'm more convinced than ever that he is going to be uh, barring, you know, imprisonment or uh, or health, he is going to be the Republican nominee in 2024. Uh, I think that's if I were a betting man right now, given the recent events, uh, I think that's that's probably right. Yeah. And I think and I think we, we both probably also agree that that is very unfortunate for uh, the Republican Party in the country. Yeah. 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 There we go. Well, all right. Uh, before we, uh, on that unfortunate note, before we go, I wanted to mention something that's maybe a little more fortunate, at least I found so. Uh, I, when I was uh, uh, mowing the lawn yesterday, I was listening to uh, When the People Decide. I mentioned it before, but really, if you're not listening to it, you definitely should. This episode this last week, a bunch of stuff, the uh, ex-felon disenfranchisement, a really kind of compelling story about, is it ex, are you always a, a felon who serves your time? Jay, how's that work? An ex ex felon. Um, right? I, I would I would think. Um, anyway, it, it, a guy yeah, who committed yeah. a felony was convicted in Florida and ended up getting his law degree and and working in this movement to overturn the felon disenfranchisement in Florida, which was successful. And about Medicaid expansion in Idaho, and kind of on a more theoretical basis, how citizen initiatives can almost work like invisible third parties in a way, because of course, legislatures don't like it when people try to take away their power and do their jobs and it's kind of pros and cons to that. But it was really interesting stuff and it made mowing the lawn, which is not my favorite thing in the world, uh, go much more quickly. And so I appreciate that. Uh, so Jenna, great job again. And if you're not listening to when the people decide, do that and you can get it wherever you get the politics guys. Um, and, you know, Jay, we haven't done recommendations in a while. You you watch things and do things and listen to things. Um, we should do oh, some. Man. Do you have something? I don't know if you do. Maybe um, you don't. Um, gosh, no, I, I'm afraid I don't. I wasn't. I'm, I'm horribly unprepared. Oh, well, I, I, I will. I will recommend something since since I'm the one who mentioned it, actually. Um, uh, Kimberly and I are, are we're just finishing up watching season one of Reacher on uh, Amazon. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's horrifically violent in, in so many ways, in ways that are really just almost like, wow. Uh, but 
it's also like oddly old fashioned in certain ways. And I just, I find myself, you know, there, there were these, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. There are these things you watch and you're like, you cannot wait until the next episode. And then Kimberly woke up today. She said, I have a theory about like first thing, like not even like the morning, <laughs> just like, and that's, it's, it's always cool when you find things like that. I'm so happy to find out that they have a second season. And so, like I said, it has kind of an old fashioned vibe. He's a good guy who's, you know, he's not like this anti-hero type of person. You know, he's not like a, like a Saul Goodman, and I just you know finished like a lot of people. Uh, Better Call Saul and very sad and so forth. But he's not an anti-hero. He's like just like this heroic guy, and he's doing the right thing. And and so so yeah, Reacher. I cannot recommend. I can recommend it highly enough. I suppose you know it's. I understand it's not great art, but it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. And so I will recommend Reacher. And next week maybe Jay or next week I think Trey and Ken are doing the show. But the week after that maybe you will have something fantastic. Yeah, I'll come up with something for them. Yeah. And also, I just wanted to say before we do go, uh, I want to thank some uh, new supporter, Kevin. Uh, thank you very much, Kevin. And also, uh, Andra, who uh, has always been a fantastic supporter of the show, recently increased her already incredibly generous level of support. Thank you very much. And also a supporter on Venmo, uh, Estevam, who's been a supporter for a while and just yesterday made a very, very generous contribution to the cause. So Thank you very much. If you want to contribute to the cause, you can do that on, on Patreon. It's uh, the link is, I know this patreon.com slash politics guys. If you want to support us on Venmo, like Esteban did, it's we're at politics guys. And you can also support us on PayPal and all of our support links are at the show notes as well as politicsguys.com slash support. You get all kinds of stuff. You get, Hey, ad free versions of the shows. You get our special midweek, bonus show, which Jay and I will be recording in just a minute. It releases on Tuesdays now. And yeah, all kinds of other stuff at different levels. We hope you will check it out. And whether you're a supporter or not, it really does help if you can uh, rate and review the show on whatever podcast app you use, as well as sharing episodes on social media to kind of spread the word. We really do appreciate it. If you want to get in touch with us for any reason whatsoever, you can do that. Well, a mail at politicsguys.com, that kind of old school 20th century email type of thing, but also social media. There's uh, Facebook and Twitter, and the links for that are in the show notes, as well as if you're a supporter on our Discord app, which I check in on every day. is a whole lot of fun. Uh, the guys, uh, Urgicals, Poopsicle, uh, a whole bunch of guys. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, check it out. And uh, yeah. And a special thanks before we go to our executive producers. We really do appreciate you so much. Bruce Johnson, Wilma Moreno, Andre Masker, Daniel Toe, and Ryan Beasley. And we'll be back with a new show for you next week. We hope you'll join us.